Hello, I'm your host Chris O'Regan of the Sausage Factory and normally at this time you'd be listening to some music but unfortunately we've had the same distortion issue we had last time if you if you managed to tolerate that last uh, last episode it's back again for this episode and for the last time I hasten to add again like last time didn't know it was doing it didn't know my windows had decided to crank up my microphone up to maximum for reasons best known to itself so um all I can say is I'm very, very, very sorry uh, about the sound quality of this episode. There's nothing I could do about it. I did everything I could, actually, uh, many hours trying to clean out the distortions, but you can't do that to sound. If you record at a distorted level, it will remain at a distorted level, and that's just the way it is. So again, I really am very, very, very sorry about what's happened. But rather than throw the episode away, I implore you just to listen and bear with it. It's a really good episode. I'm really proud of it. Attack of the Earthlings is a great game, and it would be a terrible shame for a technical glitch to uh, dampen the message I'm trying to get out about this excellent game. So, if you can bear with it, uh, I do implore you. Next week, uh, order will be restored. I can assure you that I know I've recorded them already. And uh, all the future shows, so don't worry, we're fine. Uh, for I've, I've fixed all the audio issues, so it won't be happening again. But uh, I just can only apologise once more. So without me blathering anymore, please do listen and um, cue the music. The 77th episode of The Sausage Factory, which is brought to you by Spawn.com and hosted by me, Chris O'Regan. In this show, we interview video game developers and ask them how they made their start making games, what their influences are, and who inspires them. Split into two halves, the show missing folks who develop themselves, and in the second half, we discuss the game they're here to promote, which in this case is Attack of the Earthlings by Team Junkfish. Stephanie! Hello! Who are you, and what do you do? Uh, my name is Stephanie Baisley, and I am one of the programmers for Team Junkfish. Excellent. See so that first question? It was easy. You got yep. it. it gets worse as we go on. Oh, but... you can't have seen it. That's okay. <laughs> oh, thank God. <laughs> That's so... fine. You allow retakes, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, we do, yes, but I'm not pausing now. But anyways, I'm just oh, saying... <laughs> But don't worry, we'll fix that in post. Anyway, so first question, well done. You you made it, first question. But now, so that, that but it gets worse as we go along, I'm afraid. Okay, oh God. So um, second question then is, how did you make your start making video games? Now, when I ask this, I mean really start, not as in officially or go to university, really start. Like, what was your first inkling of creating something on a computer or games in general? Well, I was actually going to be a vet. Um, I was um, at school. I was going to study veterinary medicine down in Birmingham. Right. But I didn't want to move down to Birmingham, and it was a lot of money to do that course. So I went to an open day at the University of Abertay, which is near my hometown, and I saw that they had a video game development course. And I was really good at the programming in high school, but it was never like a career option for me at the time. Why so, is that? Just to, sorry, I, I mean, just uh, I mean, I'm worried that it might be a gender thing. I don't think it is anymore, thank heavens. But I think it's definitely a lot better now. But mm. um, I was definitely one of the better people because I used to hold a coding class after school to help my peers because I was actually really good at it. But it was never like an option given to me because I was mm. so focused on like the veterinary and science route. Right. I did computing for fun, uh, but. By chance, I went to the open day and I saw they had PlayStation 2s and they were like, oh, you'll get to make games on this. And I loved Kingdom Hearts and Ratchet <laughs> Clank. And I was like, oh, wow, this this sounds like something I could do. You had <laughs> yeah. excellent tasting games, by the way. Ratchet and Clank. 
Come on. Oh, they still brilliant. They, did you play the, the, the new one on the oh, PS4? God, yes. Was oh. it awesome? Yeah. Oh, thank you. Just not not just me then. Thank you. Yeah, well, it was amazing because it was it wasn't just a HD remake. It was a oh, no, no, no. remake. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. So you, well, it was quite a change. I mean, also veterinary is very competitive field. Very yeah. competitive field. Well, um, like I said, I got into the because I did a lot of volunteer work and stuff. So I was going to go to the Birmingham course, but mm. it was a lot of money, and my mom mm. obviously couldn't afford it, and I didn't want to take out this stupid loan so no would you be paying off for a good 70 years after you graduated (laughs) anyway let's not go there (laughs) um yeah your pension's paying off a student loan it's happening people it's happening um so uh that's quite a change though isn't it what what do you think the commonality between the two um you know uh like coding and medicine because that's you know that's that's quite well there's uh, quite a lot of coding's used for like quite a lot of uh, biological experiments and stuff nowadays hmm. it's really quite interesting hearing stuff like that but hmm. i think maybe possibly problem solving trying to f- track down a cause right right but i can't really think of anything that ties them in together sounds like you're a bit of a polymath then you've got lots of different <laughs> skills which is nothing to be ashamed of far from it quite the opposite of absolute admiration for people who can do lots of things um so okay but you never actually had any inkling as a child to make games then no n- not really no Hmm, interesting. But what were your earliest memories of of of, uh, of, of games then? Because obviously oh you played. Oh my goodness! Uh, I remember my my uncle had found a Dreamcast, and uh. Uh, he'd fixed up and he gave it to me. And I think I was thirteen, fourteen at the time. So this right. is this is a very old console even then, mm. and it had uh, Sonic Adventure on it. <laughs> and I just remember coming home like after school and playing Sonic Adventure, and I was like, "This is the best thing ever." <laughs> And uh, like playing Soul Calibur with my cousin. Oh, but you said it now. We are kindred spirits in most games. Well, yeah, you, pretty much. Soul Calibur, the game you can button mash to your heart's delight. Exactly. It was great. It was great being all the boys when I was younger. Just all you had to do is they they lunged at you with Siegfried or something. You just sidestepped. That's not fair. It's in the game. Or you just jump. You just jump, and then just hit A repeatedly, and then. Exactly. It's just the best game. It's great. Um, so, but so you you entered this course with 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 the wide-eyed sort of enthusiasm. I hope. Yeah. Was it was it much. was it all you thought it was? Because um, you're kind of a pioneer of video game development or of, of game courses uh, in Abate, isn't it? Really. Yeah. Well, I went in really not knowing anything because I think the only programming I'd, I'd done up to that point was Visual Basic. Right. Basic. And, um, Which is a terrible coding system on reflection. It, Sorry. It was, it was something back in the day. <laughs> yeah, it's... It, well, no, but it, the problem with it, it's the logic. It, it doesn't quite... The instructions aren't efficient and it doesn't quite work, does it? It was, it was good enough to give me a taste. It, yeah, but it, ultimately you have to unlearn what you've learned. Uh, is, um, you're constantly learning every day. It is true, it is true. But anyway, carry on. Um, so yeah, I just, I mean, I was lucky I was quite good with maths and physics. Hmm. So um, I did the computer games technology course, which okay. focused a lot on like, trying to create your own engine code and the maths behind the games mm. so it was a lot of focus on like c plus plus so we got to work on playstation 2s and right. it was it was a lot of fun yeah all those custom chips though this is the thing oh, people yeah. say that but what does that mean for you as a programmer we have loads and loads of libraries what is a library what do you mean by that and you have to break it down even further but it's uh it does help and hinder you doesn't it it can do, yeah. I mean, like, release, releasing a game when we first released Monstrum, it was a complete guess because, obviously, we only had the computers in our studio to work with. So when mm. you release a game worldwide, they're going to have 20 million graphics cards, 20 different systems, and you're just like, okay, um, you're getting this DirectX 11 error, but you you only run DirectX 9. Could you try running it in DirectX 9? <laughs> it's, just, it's just stuff like that you don't think about. No. Mm, fantastic stuff, though, isn't it? It's uh, it's things are so much easier now because the the bar of entries dropped, but it doesn't make it any things any less powerful or less impressive. Certainly, yeah. what we've what we've done with Attack of the Earthlings, but we'll 
We'll come on to that later, which is a common phrase I have on this show. Uh, take a drink, everyone. <laughs> come on to that later. Um, that and computers as a series of switches, which is true. Uh, <laughs> but that's one of the sort of things I do. Um, but, uh, okay, and... But, and you made your start making games, clearly actually studying the art of doing it. So yeah. that answers that question. You actually, and did you find the course fulfilling? And how has it changed since? Do you know, are you still part of the alumni there? Um, well, we're still quite close friends with our old lecturers. Mm. And uh, I know the PS2s are now PS Vitas, last time I checked. Right. <laughs> uh, but I think it's also a lot more focused on development with Unity and Unreal. Yep. That makes I, sense. I remember when we first went there, the engines were still just coming out, really, to the public. They were, so we, yeah. we didn't really have any practice with the engines during the course, which I, I was fine with. I mean, I quite enjoyed playing about in C++. Mm. But, but obviously, creating a game, you would have to create a rendering system, a, a physics system, etc., etc. Yes, absolutely. Whereas now you've got all these <laughs> series of a suite of uh, libraries. I think it's more to it than that. But and then you have to need to know Sheep Sharp rather than for Unity anyway. I, from, I like Sheep Sharp. So do I. So do I. Um, I'm not criticising. I'm just saying it's a different language you have to know. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. But then you have things like Game Maker. I still love saying a Hotline Miami is made using Game Maker. Like how? <laughs> yep, they did. They, that's all they used. Like, but it's that's the best. Amazing. It's the best game ever. Oh, well, in one of my, I love that game. Uh, it's from, got a from, brilliant soundtrack. Uh, yes, oh yes. See, you got me going now. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, wonderful, wonderful piece of uh, piece of coding. Not so, not so much the second one, but uh, anyway, you know, you can't have can't win them all. Um, so the next question then. Because um, I think you've answered that, how you made and then you started and you 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 were, you were a, 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 a graduate of Abertay. So, what are your biggest influences as a creator? Uh, like right now. Just uh, generally, I mean, it's a very hard question to answer. And uh, again, editorial, uh, we've always sort of undenied over this question because it's a standard question we ask all our guests, but. Let me sort of help you out here. It's basically, what do you think? Because you're creating things. So what is it you think you find yourself orbiting more than anything else that uh, you get uh, your juices flowing? What's the thing oh, that, I love, yeah. I love graphics programming. I love creating shaders. And I'm very lucky in that I get to do a lot of the special effects. Um, right. In our games. So I usually get to experiment and go a bit wild with them. So it's your fault then that the animation for the uh, monsters are so so detailed. <laughs> I um, I'm not the animation programmer, but, right, but right. I would in like Monstrum I would focus on like the lighting of the monsters and the effects yes. they have. Yes. Okay. When when they all they yeah when so uh, as a result, I find inspiration from when I see game devs posting really cool tweets like gifs of what they've done. I'm like, wow, how did you do that? That that looks amazing. Mm. So I, I like to try and break it down with like maybe they've used a. a some kind of shader to do this and it's it just looks really cool <laughs> i cannot help but marvel about the, the the amount of knowledge share that goes across independent developers they, i think they are... video games wouldn't be where they are today if people didn't share yeah. solutions and how they work i think it's the same for all programming principles though yeah like you know we wouldn't we wouldn't be where we are today about google <laughs> this is true. I mean, you know, most developers, most programmers, just say it'll take someone else's work and then hack it to pieces and turn it into something useful. Um, well, we all got to learn from somewhere. Absolutely, and I'm not questioning it or challenging it. I'm just yeah. saying it's uh, a lot of software engineers do that. They, uh, <laughs> that's what they do. They sort of take basic code or structure and go, "This is nice. This seems to be functioning barely." <laughs> <laughs> Let's try and fix it. We'll fix it. You know, if, if it's work, you know, if it's working, well, let's just make it better. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, what people do, especially engineers, are like, oh, that's working. Yeah, well, we can make it better. <laughs> <laughs> you could do it better. You could do it better. Excellent. Okay, so the, the mere act, the act of creating special effects, and the the, the the dazzling lights as a friend of mine called video games calls them flashy lighty games <laughs> as well opposed... we had to put warnings for epilepsy on all of our games oh dear it's your fault um, yeah uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> too much exuberance in your in your lighting effects 
Bag finger. Yes, yes. But no, that's a great answer. The, the mere act of actually creating dazzling effects, both figuratively and literally, is, is, is uh, something to be applauded. So well done. Well, thank you. Next question. And this one's hard to answer. That's like I said, it gets worse. <laughs> so, so really, to brace yourself. Because it's basically hard in that you may insult someone or hurt their feelings. I hope not. Yeah. What developer do you most admire in an industry and why? Oh. See what I mean? <laughs> who's, who's, who's the one who go? you should carry on doing what you're doing? And it could be anyone or any any company or any person. Or well, um, I've, I found her through Twitter. Okay. Her name is Stephanie Hurlbert. I hope I've said, that, I said this right. But she is a programmer who is just amazing at what she does. But she's also, she writes blogs and she gives brilliant advice just not just about programming, but about general life, keeping, you know, your sanity in check with balance between work life and uh, social life. And she's just been a real inspiring person to follow. That that one thing always bothers me is this whole long hours nonsense. It's just stop it. You know, you're not you're not impressing anyone <laughs> by working you know, 20 hours a day. Oh, you just, no, crunch you know, is a bad thing. It burns you out mentally yeah. and physically. And it just sorts your life. For, so, exactly. for, for what? For what? You know, for a so, crappy video game. <laughs> for a crappy video game that's got loot boxes in it. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Shouldn't be topical, shouldn't be, no politics, no. <laughs> uh, but, uh, and it's also because she's called, also called Stephanie. Does that help? Well, that was just, the, you know, convenient, convenient thing, you know, it must be all, you know, Stephanie's are just the best programmers. They're clearly, they're, they're, they're just like, you know, there's a, there's, I'm waiting for the Stephanie club to, to rise and go, well, okay, we're, we're, uh, <laughs> we're a thing, deal with it. Nah, but, um, amazing, like her blogs and stuff are really So what has she made then? So I do know the name, but. Um, I think she used to work with Unity and I think she did a lot of VR work and now right. she has her own company, okay. which I think specializes in texture compression, which is really cool. Mm. That's a great answer. Way better than us. Because we do get all sorts of answers, and some are more nebulous, some uh, are more vague than others. Like, oh no, Blizzard are right. Okay, well, you're playing Dota. I might be. Well, they didn't make it. I know, but I kind of inspired it. And then it goes on to that kind of discussion. But uh, now, for you to sort of point out a, you know, a pioneer, or no, an inspirational person within the field, that's excellent. So thanks for that. Oh, okay, thank you. Um, that's really good. So um, this final question of the first half. See, see, we're almost done. One last one. Don't Woo. worry. Yeah, I know. Um, final question of the first half. I have to be eagerly required to ask this because we're a video game podcast, therefore I have to ask this question. That being, what are you playing right now? Oh, God. Um, yeah, see? This is quite surprising, <laughs> but I've been playing a lot of uh, Left 4 Dead 2 with my friends. Left 4 Dead? Too. We've just fallen right back into it because we used to play it a lot in university, and mm. then we all started playing Overwatch. But I think we all just grew a bit tired of that. Right. So then we were like, someone suggested, "Let's play Left 4 Dead." It's been ages, and we all just were like, "Yes, this game." <laughs> <laughs> also, <laughs> Zelda Breath of the Wild. Breath know. of the Wild, excellent. Well, on the Switch, might not might be in oh, the yeah. you. Yeah, on the yeah. Switch. Yeah, yeah. What an amazing machine that is. But anyway. Isn't it? Jesus. Um, but um, just go to, to, to go back on Left 4 Dead then. I mean, I've played that, uh, although I've migrated off to PUBG because, you know, I'm just a follower of sheep. Uh, I like that game because I like armour. Anyway, that aside, not about me. Um, Left 4 Dead then, what, what is the thing that you really draws you to it? Not the obvious. I just want to make sure that I've got, I've got a, a good understanding of what's in your head with that. I'm absolutely terrified of zombies right this is, this is no secret at the company i watched 28 days later when i was really young uh-huh. and uh my mom didn't help by saying oh you do know that can happen so cue me being traumatized for life <laughs> but um my friends i remember back in first year they bought left for dead 2 when i was around at their flat and they started playing it and i was like i was like terrified in the corner like oh my god there's zombies everywhere but um they eventually they would they helped coach me through the game, so I was able to play the game with them. And I really just like 
the world, the environmental storytelling, like the graffiti and the, the character interactions. It's a lot of fun. But also like the multiplayer is a lot of fun. Like mm-hmm. we're always finding new ways to play together. It it really helps having good friends to play it with. But I just find it a lot of fun. Like I don't care about the winning or the losing. It's just like if there's a tank coming, you're you're just like you throw fire and then you accidentally set fire to all your friends. You're just like, I am so sorry. I didn't mean that. <laughs> um that's, that's great. You know, it's just the, the mere act the the communal act or the sort of social act is, is, is more you know, you have a united front of we're going to die, probably. <laughs> Um, With me playing, probably. I'm not very good at the shooting. (laughs) Right. It's even better. Or not, as the case may be. But uh, (laughs) personally, no, I don't want to protect myself. This this show isn't about me. But um, for me, that game is very much about uh, the communal effort as well. I do agree with you. Although um, I suspect if you were playing with me, it would be like, why are you barking so much? Like, just don't move. Just just don't run running off and just like can you hear anything it's, it's just one of it's basically it was all about sort of um edging our way across the the, the map to get out and it was just a, a very methodical sort of plodding sort of experience not it was very tense and it is fun it was fun but it was just we all had that um, as a, a collective mindset of working in a very methodical way across yeah. um which is quite rare apparently <laughs> <laughs> and the, the developers and the AI would actually try to do everything it could. The AI director, as it's known, it could do everything it yeah. could to actually stop you from trying doing that. But we went, no, we've always got these new loopholes that, you know, ultimately you're still a pattern. <laughs> a, it's still a, bloody genius. Ah, oh, stunning. Stunning. And it's so old now. It's 10 years or something. I it's, know. Uh, we were playing this going, how is this 10 years old? What? And yeah, it's just incredible. Um, I mean, I was at the PC Gamer Weekender event over the last weekend, and I was playing Vermintide 2, which is inspired by Left 4 Dead, and only rather than um, zombies, it's um, large, massive, sentient rats. Uh, <laughs> <They> rats. <laughs> yeah, lots and lots of and also, but they've also got chaos demons now in this in this new version. So they got chaos, <laughs> you know, and they've got undead chaos demons rushing rushing at you, which is even more terrifying. And they're like much more numerous because they're using current hardware. So in the oh, matter God, of mod- yeah. yeah, so there's just you. I think you would squeal and like no, it's no, because you haven't got a machine gun. You've got the stick. <laughs> with a with, with a pointy blade on the end of it, like okay, we're done, and you're just like go, just like. But um, I quite liked it. But uh, has it got the same kind of? Um, the only problem I have with it is that it's not our world. You know, and granted, Left 4 Dead isn't our world either. But at least it's got resemblance to it. You know, it's it's you know you have guns and and medipacks. Whereas I do, in, I do love the ability in our world where you break a leg and you take some pills and you're all better. Yeah, pills here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I get that. I get that. But I'm saying there's some relation to it. Whereas in in, in the, the Warhammer, which could be a positive, and I do actually I do think that too. But there could be a negative as well. That you you take health potions and you can you can actually vanish into another realm and become invisible for a bit, and then move into another position where monsters can't see you, uh, and all this kind of stuff because it's Warhammer and it's ridiculous. Uh, and it it changes the tone, so the structure of the game is very similar. But the actual because you're not fighting zombies, but instead fighting sentient large rats with pointy sticks, the thing becomes a different experience. But uh, I can imagine. Yeah, it's it is fun, but it's you know I can't, I'm not saying it's a replacement, and it's it's very much today. It's really up to date to our to to our current computer power and that sort of thing. And what's really impressive is they they didn't use an engine; they made their own. That's- that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I actually asked them, wait, it's just, yeah, it took about eight years. Right. <laughs> okay, then. Yeah, but uh, well, one of the things that the developer was telling me that uh, he would actually, rather than actually go to a programmer to go over and say, can I sort of have this monster move slightly faster? He would just open up a console, change the coding, and then go, oh, yes, it's moving faster now. <laughs> Because he can do that, he can that's actually. Awesome. So he could just bring up because he knows the engine so well because they made it. They've actually made it modular, so you can actually go isolate 
this particular code to say all this is doing is dealing with the movement of this creature in this particular time and he just pulls up and he isolates it and changes the variables which sounds horrific to me because that will create a cascade but he says no it doesn't and it's apparently because I made the program a modular which is astonishing but uh, yeah um, but no good choice on, on Left 4 Dead anything else I mean you said Breath of the Wild that's, that's a good 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 shout have you finished it or are you just I'm just, very you... slowly taking my time with that game yeah because it is I... beautiful isn't it Oh, it's gorgeous. Um, I've just been happily walking about with my horse and doing all the little Korok quests. Um, so, yeah, I've been taking a, a long time with that game. I love the combat in it. I know people criticise the weapon breaking and stuff like that, but I think they need to get over themselves. I didn't see weapon. No. Because it makes variety. You know, it infuses, you know, rather than having the same sword you use for, you know, um, hours and hours on end, you can just, you know, oh, I'm now going to use this dirty great axe I've found in this thing. Yeah. But, you know, so, um, but yeah. Okay then. Anything else before we move on? Not recently, no. Not recently, uh, okay, God. excellent. Okay, then. So that's the end of the first half. We now move on to the second half, where we delve deep into Attack of the Earthlings. <laughs> Stephanie, you have the zeroth question. Please tell us, what is Attack of the Earthlings? Okay, well, Attack of the Earthlings is our second game. It's a turn-based strategy game with comedic elements, more focused on dark humour. We, we've pitched it as like reverse XCOM meets the IT crowd because he plays the aliens instead of the humans. I love that. The IT crowd. Do you find the internet in there or...? <laughs> Well, we have little things to, like, computers breaking and stuff like that, but, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'm sorry, I do, I do love that show. Um, they, they do all the things that we take for granted. There's one point, I think, they're having an argument, and uh, one of the characters just gets this massive bucket of popcorn and starts eating it. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's brilliant. It was Moss, that was like, just watches it, like, okay, <laughs> Oh, no, we, we love that show, so we took a lot of uh, inspiration from it. Wonderful. And it does show, because the humour in it, which we talk about again later, everyone, uh, is, is seems to be driving the design. But before we delve into that, then, um, I've noticed that this is a turn-based game, as you said, and... Um, just like it's similar to XCOM, uh, it's probably the most obvious comparison. And you, you said you've inverted XCOM, so rather than from the point of view of the uh, humans, you're now playing from the aliens' point of view. And well, the problem is that as the as the, as the game says, it's attack of the Earthlings. Like the Earthlings are the ones invading, and they're the ones that are just sort of drilling indiscriminately <laughs> into the, this planet's surface. Oh yeah, to, we made to, sure to make the drill as big as possible. Yeah, and uh, ridiculously large structures to basically extract all the resources from planets and then just, you know, do, accuse um, other alien races of doing the things, that, you know, what happens in uh, Independence Day, which is a ridiculous, ridiculous film. Uh, and don't watch the sequel, it's very, very bad. Um, but... Um, <sighs> Yes, uh, just don't don't waste your time. Uh, and uh, but it does set up a fall for the Earthlings. They're not particularly pleasant people uh, in in this particular context. And, yeah, um, we yeah. wanted to make like we didn't want you to feel too bad about killing these people because we wanted to create the humans as like a race of actual horrible people who just hate <laughs> themselves. Yes, yes, yes. Although you do ruin someone's birthday party, but anyway. <laughs> Spoilers! Spoilers! 
<laughs> Sorry, but I don't say when or how. It just happens. It just happens. Poor Carl. Anyway. <laughs> Carlos, sorry, Carlos. Uh, anyway, um, the uh, going to so with that context in mind, and everyone now understands it's a turn-based, pure turn-based strategy. But you didn't say that it's actually stealth because you are, but one alien, a very powerful one, ridiculously powerful alien. But you are but one alien that can only spawn when you've um, acquired certain quote-unquote biomass. Yes. <laughs> Which is acquired by consuming biomass, and we're not I talking about. We Sorry. like to create, like uh, you know, the the theme of started from the bottom. Now we're here because you yeah. work your way up the drill as well. You do, you do, and uh, just to say, the biomass isn't chicken with nuggets. Just to be clear, or anything, <laughs> or just some cereal, or no, it's people. Or birthday cake. <laughs> it's or birthday cake. No, it's people. It's soil and green. Everyone, you actually have to eat uh, people. Um, you can also eat your own spawn if they do undoubtedly die. This is true, but then again, you bear in mind where they originally came from. I'm just saying. <laughs> so, yeah, um, that does happen. You have to spawn creatures because they. And, and what's, so that's quite intriguing is you have this idea of your. Um, of stealthing your way, which stealth in a, in a turn base is odd. Uh, it's not often seen. Um, but, yeah, we um, took actually a lot of inspiration from Invisible Ink, yeah. which was brilliant. Game. Yeah, I did love that. So it's happening, and it does, you know. But it's, the, the XCOM doesn't really lend itself to that kind of shenanigans. It's more kill everything. Yeah, Pow! we wanted to <laughs> avoid that. Yeah, we we also wanted to create a game that was like a bit more calm in that respect. Yeah. Like, obviously, there's moments of tension and stuff, but we wanted to create a game where people can sit down and have a good time. It definitely has that. I'm playing it with a smile on my face, whereas when I'm playing XCOM, it's more of a grimace. <laughs> and because, yeah, because um, with XCOM, I'm actually trying to create kill zones, um, you know, very, very carefully. And as I create the kill zones, that allows me to you know, take out the aliens as efficiently as possible. Uh, whereas in this game, it's like... That'd be funny. <laughs> what if? I mean, I'll, I'll actually do things not because it's efficient, because it's make me laugh. Um, just to to bring you know trap people in on sort of you know it's just how everything's done is just so much fun, and that's sadly missing a lot of the XCOM games. But um, in my opinion, so my first question, first design question, is I've noticed you've got this combined attack maneuver. So for the listeners, this basically means that you put a unit, most of the units, at least initially early on in the game, I don't want to spoil too much, there are some ranged combat units you have as aliens, but the vast majority of them are melee. Uh, and what what happens is you have to you maneuver your units and you can actually just mass on one or two or three different people, or maybe mass onto one, and then trigger them to attack all at the same time. That's interesting. How did that come about? Um. It, it was a mixture of a lot of things. Um, we thought it sounded cool and would fit with the whole alien ambush vibe of the game. Mm -hmm. But also we really realized that a lot of people didn't like losing their units. Like, you know, take one for the team and I'll kill you with the other unit. So with the heavier, more powerful units, you need to do multiple hits to, to kill them. So if we swarm them around, uh, it would obviously kill them in one hit. It also stops other guards that would have been alerted if you could hit them with two aliens separately because it stops them turning around because they die at the same time. Also, it just feels really good. It does <laughs> feel phenomenally good, especially when you're taking out particularly powerful units. Yeah. I won't say what or who. You probably know what I'm alluding to. I, I might have an idea. <laughs> you might have an idea. Um, and, uh, oh, he was fun, he says. Uh, he was, actually. Uh, he might be a she, sorry. It doesn't, it doesn't specify. Uh, but, um, yeah, it, um, which it does, actually. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> but, no, it was, I, I really, um, I was marvelled at that. It's so simple an idea. And yet, perfect. Why wouldn't they act together? Why wouldn't they? They're, exactly. they're insects. They're well, in, they're insectoid-like creatures. So they're in a hive mind. Of course, they work in concert with each other. That's the whole point. Also, they you want know, to protect the team. 
<laughs> yes, that too. I actually got a bit, you know, you know, drawn attached. to. Yeah, you get attached to the little dudes, <laughs> especially the little weak ones, because yeah. you haven't because you, you do have to have them rocking around. Although, well, you know, you do actually have to upgrade them though. Um, and, and to other units. So you start off, listeners. This is how this work. The game works: is that you eat some biomass, and you can initially you can start the, all the time. Actually, you can make these small little bug creatures that are a version a version of you as the matriarch, and uh, and then you can actually mutate them into something else, typically bigger, but not always. Uh, but yeah, no, actually they are bigger. But uh, and uh, the rhino one, as I, I like to call him, the big one. Um, oh, the Goliath. Yeah, the Goliath. Yes, he he, he would go charging off, and I, I he, go, he, he such a sense of speed that one. He would go charging along the road, down down corridors, and uh, that would be terrifying. But it's me doing it. So hey. <laughs> It's okay, and um, uh, it's just um, uh, that whole sort of setup of being able to uh, work together. And not, you know, you would get attached to them, and, and any attacker on against them, I took a personal front to them. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> are you trying yeah, to chew your face to off? That. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad it's got across. <laughs> Definitely. I did. You, even though they haven't got any names of it, we well, though. I did start calling you them names. You can name them, yeah. It's yeah. completely up to you. <laughs> yeah, you can, yeah. Um, but um, uh, uh, and bug one, bug two, bug three, I had that initially, but that wasn't really really doing it for me because <laughs> then it was Huey, Louie and Dewey and that, that was better. <laughs> I like uh, Huey, Louie and Dewey. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but no, it's, it's really, really interesting, that combi- um, combined action. But there's one more thing that uh, there's the next question now I've got to ask is because it's a stealth thing, the stealth game, um, one has to be avoid to be spotted. That's the whole point, you know, until the very last moment. Or indeed, you encourage people to be spotted so they turn around and like, yeah, that was not a good idea. Now you've now you've got the back to the door. What what are you doing? Um, but they do that anyway because they're kind of dumb and um, well, not dumb. That's not true. But you can manipulate people's behaviour. Which is very clever, and but I want to ask you about the sound wave concept um, because there are actions that uh, occur um, that you can emit sound, and when they do, others can actually humans will go off and at least uh, investigate what's going on. How did this come about? I think uh, just because it's a stealth game, it's a staple of them, so mm. stuff you do attracts attention because. It would just make the game too easy otherwise if you just can go around killing all these people without having any consequences of not doing it when the moment was right. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you're not as if you're silent killers. You're actually, there's lots of noise that occurs when you you slash out with your your claws and things. So it's it's pretty grim in that regard. But, you know, it's for the greater good. Get these (laughs) horrible, get these whole humans off the planet because they're just destroying it. I think our favourite thing has been when we've been watching Let's Plays on YouTube and we watch right. people open the door right next to a guard and they're like, why did the guard turn around? And we're like, because you opened the door and it was a guard. <laughs> <laughs> makes a noise. You yeah. open the door. And it does say a little... I, I mean, as I was playing it, I love watching other people playing it and I've just noticed that... Uh, it's a common problem with, with players and humans generally when they're interacting with computers is that, and this is going to shock you, don't read the screen. They just don't read the screen. You know, you give them as many information as you can, pop-ups, indicators, but don't read it. Yeah. They want to do something else. They've convinced themselves they've done that thing. And like, no, you didn't. You didn't do, oh, okay, see, so look, now, <laughs> now also, it's all gone. It also comes down to good design, though. I can understand if you don't want to read a huge wall of text and you just want to get no. into the game. So yeah. I can understand that as well. <laughs> Who reads error messages? You know, when you get an error message, it's a wall of text that tells you what's gone wrong. Do you read it? No, you just say, okay, because you're frustrated. You, <laughs> I, you know, I usually have to read it. <laughs> oh, no, of course you do. Of course you do. I'm going to have to read this now, and I see why this happened. Exactly. But anyway, um, I just I, I love the idea. That, so, for listeners, it's basically uh, as the, uh, the the epicenter of the sound it creates a grid outside. Cause it's a square grid, not a hexagon or anything like that. It's a square yeah, grid. Originally, it was like imagine raindrops hitting and the ripples spiraling out. Right. Which right. it did look more of a sound effect but because of the radius it was very hard to pinpoint exactly which tiles were going to be affected exactly so, yeah 
So we did change that to be like the grid base, but with a sort of ripple effect on it. So you could see a bit better which tiles would be affected by sound. And, what, and also there's the the the, um, the cones, the cone, cone of vision? vision cones. Yeah. Vision cones, yeah. And they, sometimes you get a lot of overlap. And I was yeah. watching one player, he, uh, one player, he couldn't figure out what was pointing where because it was so, it was just full of green. He was like, oh, I can't even, who's, who's that? And there's this great sort of gun turret thing right there and goes, oh, it's the 781st. No, it's not. That's a bit of scenery. But he couldn't, he couldn't see it. It's quite, it's quite amusing to watch. Um, that's why one of these is I love watching when I'm playing a game and then I'm playing, then I'm watching others do, do it. So no, this is not how I interpreted it at all. It's also <laughs> interesting for us though as well to see how different people play it and different yeah. play styles work and areas where we can improve on next time mm, on like mm. what we can avoid and what yeah. we can do to get better. And what's really very important is when developers are watching others play their games, at no point are they judging the player at all. Um, that's the terrible thing to think and unfortunately I know a lot of people have anxiety over that especially when you go to shows and stuff I mean I've spoken about this just before on the show but when you go to an expo and you, you stay, you're playing the game and you have someone standing right next to you the developer and uh, especially a puzzle game <laughs> when you think, I, I like to hope I, I don't bring <laughs> no, 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 of course you don't showed that at EGX and that was really right. a brilliant reaction. We had Julian Gollop and uh, the devs from Phoenix Point come over and check it out. So that was pretty awesome. Yeah, I do know Julian. He's been on the show before. Um, and I actually played the demo of Phoenix Point over the weekend. Cause it he was so good. He was at the... He was at the um, the show and he was doing a pre-alpha for it and uh, it's fantastic big oh. thumbs up he's a lovely man uh, and yes yes we've got a lot to thank him for uh, for creating this genre that people are still lovingly uh, playing and uh, and making games about and uh, I was actually at GEGX but man there were so many games <laughs> Yes, I clearly definitely. missed you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm um, sorry. Right. We had things... more than enough people to work, please. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, no. Anyway, um, next question then. I feel that Attack of the Earth things feels a little like a, there's some aspects of it that feel like a board game. Do you think the only aspects of that kind of game is fed into the design of Attack of the Earthlings? Well, I know that every game we've pretty much made, we've always had a paper prototype, which is like a board game. So Attack of the Earthlings did start out as a paper board game prototype. Right, right. And also the team love board games. I think, <laughs> I think the biggest inspiration for it, I'm pretty sure it's Space Hulk. Right. Was the huge inspiration for it. Yeah, board yeah. Game side. Yeah, that's a good game. Sad it's only two players, but it's still very good. I, I'm, yeah. I'm less of the board game person on the side on the team. I can play maybe a bit of uh, Catan or Dixit or something. But <laughs> Dixit, oh, amount of times that you're playing Dixit and there's someone there who hasn't got enough pop culture reference. Yeah, or you've got your in jokes with your crew, and you're yeah. like, oh, sorry, you don't so, get it. You don't get it. Are you feeling more ostracised than ever before? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I do like the odd board board game, but I don't. They they sit and play galaxy trucker for hours and i'm like okay you do that <laughs> galaxy trucker the game is just not fair it isn't because you're just like you build your beautiful ship and you realize you've got this one weakness where this whole chunk almost two-thirds of it is hanging on by oh, one is coming through to my living room and just watching them screaming as their ship gets torn apart it's yeah <laughs> it's just the best right it's just not fair it's like well yeah welcome to galaxy trucker idiot <laughs> redundancy Redundancy is what you need because you're going to get hit. Really? Yeah. Shut up. Anyway, it's a great game. But uh, no, it just, it, the more I played it, it just made me feel I was playing something like a dungeon crawler, like Gloomhaven or something like that. It feels like uh, the tactics involved is very, very close and very, you've got to be really, really careful about every movement matters. But not to the same point of XCOM because. Attack of the Earthlings is infused with one big fat word called fun. Oh, thank you. Uh, and it's, you know, sometimes I think other developers, although you could argue not all games are fun, and it is true, not all games are well, fun. That's what we wanted to do. We Obviously, yeah. there are 
they're like unlike our last game monstrum that was procedurally generated so mm. every time you played it it was sort of like a new experience every time but with attack of the earthlings we wanted to create something fun but also short mm. like obviously we can expand it with dlc and more stuff just depending on how well the game does but we knew what we were set out to do we wanted to tell a story and we wanted to have fun doing so and i think we managed to do that yeah so i'm gonna ask you this last question then and it's basically been evident throughout this whole discussion really but there is a lot of humor in the attack of the earthlings and it feeds into the horror that um as, as each level is conquered um the 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 opposing well the humans are i mean especially the the, the, the overseer not the overseer but the the main sort of um mr pecker mr pecker he he's he's horrible horrible human being um and uh, he continues to I, I can't help but marvel at his uh um, tactless sort of statements that he makes as things go, and as 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 you're making your way up the drill, the more panicking he becomes. Like this is not, he's really not good, is it? No, we're coming for you, Mr. Pecker. We're coming for you. Um, and uh, and also, there's a wonderful moment where you know, don't let these things. I won't spoil it. But don't let these things break down. Okay, then we'll break, we'll make sure those things are broken down. Then <laughs> we're just so glad everyone got that. They were just like. <laughs> We put the objective there, but as soon as everyone's like, okay, we're going to destroy that, we were like, yes! <laughs> yeah, this is basically the inverse of everything. So, that's what I want to ask you. How much of this humour uh, influenced the design of the game, do you think? Well, the initial concept was more a tongue-in-cheek twist on the usual, verse, usual humans versus aliens concept, and we just kind of evolved it from there. So we had, like, one guy in the team who really like the idea of exploding donuts somewhere where I won't say, but there might be exploding donuts later on in the game. Right. But it's more like the the team would like sit together and they would come up with some ideas and we would see what would work and what was funny. But we also didn't want to force it in your face. Mm. Like we didn't want you to be like feel like this forced humor. So a lot of our jokes are more environmental. Like mm-hmm. in in mission one there's like a guy who's been clearly trapped in a closet, but you would only figure that out if Go investigate it. Have a look. Oh, I know that one. I don't want to reveal it. Yeah. I'm not going to say what I did either. I'm not going to say. <laughs> I, I might but, have yeah. a thing or two about what you did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Well, there was, you know, needs must. That's what I'm going to exactly. say. <laughs> so it, it would be there for you if you wanted to try and enjoy more of the humour, but it wasn't shoehorned in your face like you have to. There are a few cutscenes, obviously, but... There's there's more things just like robots talking and uh, guards will say something when you're beside them because they don't notice you. It's no. just stuff like that. Like a guy beside the no, a smoking kill sign smoking. Yes, yes. <laughs> just stuff like that. Yeah, it's uh, it, some of it's less subtle than others, but that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. We're okay with that. Um, but um, no, it's uh, and also the, the birthday thing. Well, well what a... <laughs> Well, that's, event. The, yeah. that's the mission we took with us to EGX was mission two. And obviously oh. this is our first big proper show. Right. So we're we're all sick and fed up with the jokes and we don't even know if we're funny anymore. So we take it to the show and everyone's having a jolly good time and laughing. And we're like, right. we, we might be onto something here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the thing about writing humour is that the, initially it's funny, but then you see it for twelve thousandth time. Yeah. And it's like, I really, if you just say one more. Well, I'll even put up with a dad joke than that, please. Just <laughs> anyway. So um, no, but well done to you and your team. It's been, it's a really refreshing uh, Thank game. Thank you very to, much. To actually, you know, a lot of games are very, very serious. Very serious. I mean, they just re-released Shadow of the Colossus, for example. One of the most serious games you could possibly think of. Very, very it's sad. Really actually. Game, I always feel so. I don't want it's to just, kill them. No. No, means to an end. Well, that's not a... Does the means just... No, it doesn't. Never mind. Still that horse, eh? Wow. Uh, uh, oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, let's not, let's not go there. I'm getting a little lump in my throat just thinking about it. Um, <laughs> so, Attack of the Earth things, then. It's out on Windows PC at the moment. Is that right? Mac and Linux. 
and Mac and Linux. Excellent. I just want to make sure because sometimes we're, I, I always get that wrong. So I just feel, I know it's going to work on my Perfectly Windows. Perfectly understandable. Yeah, because you just don't know. Uh, I do have a Mac laptop though because you know they can take a bullet and still work. So and I, and I travel a lot. So um, and uh, but no, I've been playing it on my, my gaming PC because I think. Uh, it kind of the game kind of lent itself that kind of environment. I do play a lot of PC games on my large telly, thanks to the link box. But um, now I've um, with games like this, it's very much a, a monitor thing, which is okay, you know. Well, we're hoping to release in consoles in the summer, so PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. So that's it will, as well. it will be very exciting. It will work very, very, very well um, we with hope the so. um, <laughs> yes, um, you know, because it doesn't turn-based. The beauty of it is that yeah, you may be using controller, but yeah, so what? It worked well with XCOM and exactly. other other well, yeah, so. design systems that work. Like yes. player experience, of course. And you could switch. You could do touchscreen. I'm just saying. <laughs> Who plays their switch with the touchscreen, though? I, I certainly don't. <laughs> um, well, there are some games out there that do use it, um, but you're right, not very, very few. But there is that facility there. I'm just but, scared, yeah. you know, to scratch my beautiful, beautiful <laughs> switch. <laughs> you could get one of those replacement things, but they're terrible to st- stick on. Oh, I do have a screen protector on. I am that yeah. bad. As soon as I got it, I was like, screen protector's going on. Yeah, it's going on. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Okay. Well, it's been fantastic having you on. Thank you very much for having me. Did you get much out of it? Oh, no, it was a good laugh. It was great being able to talk to someone who enjoyed the game. It makes it all worth it. Indeed, indeed. And uh, we wish you the very, very best of luck in your future endeavours. And more than welcome to come back to chat about your next game, whatever that may be. I'm sure you've already got, you've already working on it now, I suspect, because you know. Oh, we've got a lot of stuff under wraps. But first of all, it's just you know ironing ironing out all those bugs. Yes. Indeed, yes. But in the meantime, like I said, you're more than welcome to come back and chat about that. Thank you very much. And so ends another episode of the Sausage Factory. Do leave us an iTunes review and you can also, don't forget, listen to us on Stitcher.com. So just go to Stitcher.com and you can stream the show from there. You just look up the Sausage Factory and you can find us. That'd be great. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris O'Regan, no apostrophes. And uh, if you want to email me, any feedback on the show or actually you're a developer you listen to the show and want your game featured on it please do email me at chris at spong.com also don't forget to check out the computer game show which is the stablemate podcast should we say of spong.com bye